Hello and welcome to the My FO Tag podcast, coming to you from sunny Spain. My name is Adriana Zaluka and I'm the co-founder of MyFOTech.net. This is our first podcast brought to you by MyFOTech in collaboration with Phil Strassler at the esteemed Larry Krauss Family Office Technology Institute. The Institute has been running programs for over two years now and we are elevating the series to reach a wider audience. Our objective is to introduce technology solutions for the modern family office and to create awareness amongst family office personnel. The programs are moderated by leading technology consultants interviewing technology solutions. So in this episode, Effie Avigdor, founder of Wealth Dialogue, interviews K1X, an AI automation software for K1s, K3s and 990s, and Luminary, a collaboration platform purpose-built for the delivery of trust and estate services. Um, both companies are quite young, uh, although in case of K1X, it is um, a technology that's been around for a few years, uh, but was recently carved out out, out of a public accounting firm. Um, so the interview goes over a few areas, obviously introducing what the firms do, but also emerging company considerations, since some family offices might be reluctant um, to adopt or buy technology from from new firms, um, young firms. Um, then the conversation goes over uh, product demos and trials, implementations and change management, ROI and security. Um, also, just to point out, last year in June, uh, we had a program called K1 Hell, which looked at the obscure and difficult area of processing K1s especially on tight deadlines. Um, and I would very much recommend uh, for any of our listeners um, dealing with this issue to go and listen to that program it might be helpful. And that's actually when we were first um, introduced to K1X. So I hope that you will enjoy this episode. Uh, if you like it, subscribe to this podcast or go to our website, myfotech.net and join our network there. So happy. Effie Victor is a is a good friend, a respected advisor with 25 years plus of experience in servicing family offices and ultra high net worth individuals. It's been my experience that her profound grasp of wealth related intricacies allows her to be um, a great guide for clients that are that want to make their family office and family wealth. Um, move to a better place. I have met, met very many advisors, but Effie is at the top of the list. So with that, Effie, I'm going to turn it over to you and take it from there. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Effie, as Phil mentioned. Um, I'm your moderator today. I'm a consultant to family offices on a wide variety of topics, including operational best practices, tax planning, structuring through my firm, uh, Wealth Dialogue. I also provide independent board representation to family offices who are looking to expand and professionalize their boards. That's all I'm going to say about me because really we're here about our panelists and let's jump right in. I will let our speakers introduce themselves. Let's start with you, David. 
Yeah, well, <clears throat> good morning, everyone. And uh, let me first uh, thank you, Effie, for uh, moderating and, and Phil and uh, Adriana for the opportunity. Uh, I'm coming to you from a rather nondescript <laughs> conference room at our office in, uh, in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, I'm David Barnard. I'm the CEO of, uh, of Luminary uh, Platforms. Uh, I think I'll, I'll uh, introduce the company in a little bit more detail uh, in a minute, but as our tagline says, uh, we are uh, technology transforming wealth transfer. Um, I'll, I'll just acknowledge the obvious fact right out of the gate here. I'm not a uh, typical fintech company founder. Uh, what I lack in uh, youth and ability to code software, I will assure you we more than make up for uh, with the rest of our team. Um, by way of uh, background though, um, I bring experience uh, in the industry uh, from investment management through wealth management, some 25 years, uh, all of which uh, was at Alliance Bernstein. Um, I, I ran the private wealth group there up until 2021, which uh, some of you may know is a business that serves ultra high net worth clients and some family offices, uh, some uh, hundred billion or more actually in, in uh, assets um, under management. Uh, where uh, over the course of uh, my career there, I had um, you know, literally thousands of, of client interactions. Uh, I bought and implemented uh, a lot of software, some of which uh, went well, uh, some of which uh, not so much. But uh, more importantly, um, I had really a front row seat to a lot of shifts in the center of gravity in this industry that I think are really coming to bear right now at the intersection of business models, uh, technology, generational change, uh, and I'm super excited um, uh, to be uh, leading Luminary uh, at a time when we think we can make uh, a big difference at the industrial level. Thank you, David. How about you, Danielle? Great. Well, hi, everybody. Thanks for spending some time. And I'll, I'll echo David's thanks to Effie and Phil and Adriana and Alex for putting this session on. It's been a real joy spending time kind of in preparation and, and getting to do this was a lot of fun for me. Um, so uh, my name is Danielle Teese, and I'm currently the Senior VP of Strategic Accounts at K1X. And this is actually my second role uh, for our young company. I started uh, with our, our company as the, the VP of Client Success and kind of shifted uh, in the fall to, to this role. Um, my background is in tax, so I spent about uh, 15 years in public accounting. Um, over time, I ended up specializing, working with exempt organizations, and uh, you know, even within that, uh, specialized working with exempt organizations, large institutional investors who had uh, big K one problems. Um, so the problems that you know we're looking to solve at, at K one X are kind of the problems that nobody else really seems to want to deal with. It's it's the schedule K one and kind of all the things that surround um, receipt and production of that. So. Um, again, spent you know my time in public accounting. At the tail end of that, I was actually working in our tax technology function, and uh, had the great pleasure of bringing clients in to use the tech um, almost as if it were being sold in the market. Uh, in June 2022, our function was carved out of that public accounting firm, and we became an independent company. So uh, it's been a very interesting journey. I think reflecting back on you know, when I first entered the, the job market and where I am today, I wouldn't have dreamed that this would kind of be my role. But today I get to work with, you know, the largest accounts that we have, making sure that they're finding success and using our applications. 
uh, as they kind of go on their you know, digitization journey as it relates to the K-1 and uh, exempt returns. Well, I think everyone probably on the call can relate to the agony of the K-1. <laughs> but um, so Danielle, maybe tell us a little bit more about K-1X, what it looks like today, um, you know, how many folks are in which roles and, you know, how you're sort of going out to market. Yeah, and I kind of, I really enjoy talking about the history because we are a fairly young company. I, I think I mentioned June 2022 is when we formally became our own company. Um, but the tech has been around for nearly 15 years. So we actually released our first product in 2008. And, you know, version one, I will tell you, looked a lot different than it does today, but it was a, a version one and it was actually a 990 solution for tax exempt organizations and really solving the problem of how were these tax exempt organizations going to comply with the newly designed 990 that the IRS had just released. And it really became more of like an activities report. There was a lot of information uh, gathering about your programs and compensation obviously is always a hot topic in there. So. Um, we built this solution called C-Track uh, at that time and, and really started working closely with exempt organizations uh, to migrate into that tool. In working with them, we found that that's when, when we learned that they had a K-1 problem. So in 2010, we actually built and released the first version of what's now our K-1 analyzer product, which is for anyone who receives K-1s. And uh, in 2019, we layered in the AI component to do the extraction of K-1 data for, uh, for you. So um, that's been a little bit of the evolution of the tech. You know, I'm really proud to say that uh, our, our president and co-founder, Gerilyn Hurd, was the original designer of C-Track in 2008. So she's been with the tech for that long. Um, her co-founder, Schneider, who is currently our CTPO, uh, was also the original developer on the tech, you know, back in 2008, and, and they're both with the organization. So um, really proud of the, the history that we've brought forward, but we've also layered in a lot of um, really good leadership as well to kind of complement the, the history. Um, you know, when we carved out, we were about 40 people, um, and we've, I would say we're sitting at about 55 today. Um, where we've brought in uh, mainly in the commercial aspect, but um, also leaders that have been in the SaaS world. Uh, our CEO has a, a background in, at, at ADP. Um, and so bringing in leadership that could, again, kind of complement the, the skills that we brought forward. Right, thank you. Yeah. David, why don't you tell us about Luminary and then maybe you know have you both kind of add to that and to say, you know, these are young companies and um, most family offices that are looking to um, you sort of build out their technology space, you know, maybe hesitant to invest, you know, or sort of put resources into young companies that maybe don't have a long, you know, they may have formed for a while, but not fully fleshed out until now. So maybe each of you can address that too as well. David, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, thank you. And and I'll, I'll, I'll just address that kind of straight away. So, um, you know, Luminary um, is a, uh, uh, not quite three-year-old uh, company. So, you know, at the maybe opposite end of the spectrum um, of what Danielle described. Uh, I will say, though, the genesis behind the company has been uh, decades in the making, really over the course of 
my uh, 25 year career. Um, I think when you when you look at um, the perceived risk of of uh, adopting early software, you know, there's a couple of ways to to think about that, and, I, and I'll explain more about exactly what the software does in a minute, which I think is is part of uh, the de-risking story. One is what, what's your downside if it goes wrong? Um, you know, the the uh, data and collaboration platform that Luminary is uh, purpose built for trust in the states really replaces Excel and PowerPoint and builds into a space where nothing exists. So unlike say general ledger or portfolio accounting or things that are really mission critical, or if it doesn't work perfectly, you're sort of out of business and making a shift is non-trivial uh, with that in mind. That That's not the case with Luminary. In fact, when we onboard clients, we typically uh, will do it um, almost one family, one household at a time. Uh, so it's, it's sort of uh, an incremental onboard as opposed to a, a big bang. But, you know, zooming out also, you know, you want to look at uh, the experience of the people who have started the company, the strength of the backers. Uh, in our case, uh, I started uh, Luminary in 2021 with Joe Lonsdale, who is a uh, prominent venture capitalist today, but also a very accomplished software builder in his own right. Among other companies, people on this call will know that he started uh, include Adapar, uh, also Palantir. And so we have, and what's helped me put the you know, A plus team together that we have that compensates for my uh, lack of um, coding ability in, in my own right really comes from that network, that that uh, pedigree. I think if you look at our backers, in addition to prominent venture capitalists, we have the likes of Rockefeller Capital, Focus Financial, strategic uh, investors who see our vision and are behind it uh, with their own balance sheet dollars. So, um, so that's how I would uh, encourage you to kind of get comfortable with us. And I would uh, further add to the point that for um, you know some of our early partners, there are economic incentives to to join that. Uh, I think further de-risk the the, the uh, proposition. But let me just say a little bit more about Luminary because I think that's that's relevant here. And I'd love to you know maybe come back and talk about a a, a theme around convergence and and sort of this idea of, of how RIAs are shifting more into family office-like services really out of necessity as um, the heart of what historically has been their business, delivering investment outcomes and, and sort of exclusive access to products has really been democratized. And how in many cases, multi-generational family offices are looking more like RIAs in terms of the scale and service requirements they have, uh, especially for uh, next generation family members. But um, Luminary, in a nutshell, as I said, is a data and collaboration platform uh, purpose-built for the delivery of trust and estate services. Um, uh, our competitors today are Excel, PowerPoint, uh, PDF, and effectively the uh, old way of, of doing things. Uh, our customers uh, run the gamut from um, uh, uh, family offices uh, to RIAs, to professional services firms like uh, accounting practices, uh, law practices and, and also insurance companies. The unifying thread be, uh, sort of uniting all of them is this notion of, of really being the point person or the point per firm uh, in the wealth owner's uh, financial life. Um, at, the, at the heart of Luminary uh, is a digital data record that structures information in a digital domain 
that's otherwise contained in, in uh, trust documents and PDFs or really any sort of legal entity that's been uh, created to house and transfer uh, value over time. The applications in Luminary that run on top of this data record uh, create rich visualizations that are, are interactive, allow you to uh, forecast outcomes, distributions, uh, taxes into the future based on user-defined uh, return and, and uh, time assumptions. We have lots of other modeling capabilities uh, that allow you to do one-off uh, de novo scenarios for uh, grats or, or gifts, things that um, uh, are uh, potentially opportunistic in, in, in terms of adding value to clients. Luminary also supports uh, tasks and the management of uh, activities that are idiosyncratic and unique to uh, wealth transfer strategies that don't really have a natural home in any other uh, uh, technology system. Um, but I think kind of most importantly, uh, when we think about um, you know, value propositions and business models going forward, one of the unique things that we do is unlock the reporting associated with the value of transferred wealth in the form of avoided uh, estate tax. Um, what we call transfer tax alpha, or, or really just you know sort of advisor alpha, um, has always been, uh, as, as I wrote in a blog recently, kind of hiding in plain sight. People know that the value is out there, but it's an unreported metric. And as so many other aspects of um, wealth advisory and investment outcomes increasingly are, let's face it, kind of commoditized as they've been democratized, um, this, is, this is a big opportunity for um, uh, wealth advisors of all kinds to really add something to the value proposition that they extend to their client in return for the fee dollar that they're earning. And so that's sort of what Luminary does in a nutshell. We do all of this in like one click uh, exports and reporting. Um, and, you know, as I said, this is, uh, this is something that we're really excited to build at the industrial level. Uh, a lot of which comes from my experience uh, at Bernstein, and we have some folks that were leading trust and estate services there that are also part of the Luminary team now as well. Well, it looks a lot prettier than anything I could come up with in PowerPoint, that's for sure. The, but, the bar is rather low. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I would encourage anyone you know listening in also, you know, we don't have time for demos on this. Um, webcast, but, you know, reach out to David or Danielle after this for a demo where you can really, you know, experience the product live. I mean, obviously we can talk about it, but nothing really substitutes the experience. So maybe I'll head over back to you, Danielle. I know maybe you can address the, the young company question, but also um, let's dive into, you know, the software itself. Tell us, you know, what, what it does, what it solves and, and how you got there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've had years of, of working to build credibility in the market, and I would maybe just highlight a couple of those uh, areas in particular. So um, while we were living inside of an accounting firm, and um, I'll be coy with that phrase, but, um, you know, in 2019, we actually uh, signed a partnership with Thomson Reuters, right, a, a well-known name in tax technology and they became a reseller of our K1 analyzer product. And we really engaged them in that way because other accounting firms were finding it challenging to buy technology from directly from their competitor. And so we engaged Thompson to become a reseller of the tech, which really allowed us to open up uh, the market to other accounting firms. And they bought through Thompson in that way. Um, we, we maintain a, an integration partnership with Thompson today. So we do integrate both to 
uh, Thompson products for e-filing as well as Walters Clore. Um, but we terminated the, the reseller relationship last fall, um, just given the fact that we now have our own commercial team and we've started developing um, relationships with these firms now that we're an independent company. Um, we had the benefit of during this carve out, you know, in June of 22, we had the benefit of bringing over uh, our clients as well. We had about 200 clients that were already using the tech that were um, raving fans of the tech. And so we had kind of a head start as it relates to referrals and positive feedback and people who are kind of willing to speak to others on our behalf about their experiences working with not only the tech, but our people. Um, our team came over as well. So we did have a little bit of a head start in that sense of references and and being able to um, leverage those as we were onboarding with, with, with others. So um, we've done our fair share of begging, obviously. You know, we have to encourage people to trust us, take a chance a little bit as we gain that credibility as an independent uh, company, as a company on our own, as a company that's called K1X. And if you Googled it, you might find the sneaker company. So, you know, we've had to... <laughs> navigate some of those waters uh, along the way. But um, I think, as I mentioned, bringing in uh, the, the higher leadership that we have, our CEO, as well as our board. Um, we have former IRS commissioner Chuck Reddig, uh, who we brought into the board and just kind of building credibility through that uh, vehicle as well. Um, David, you gave a nod to some of your investors, and I would kind of mentioned something similar. You know, we we did our Series A round funding, um, gosh, a year, almost a year ago. Uh, and so, you know, we were very um, somewhat specific about the type of partner we wanted. And we um, are super grateful to have Edison Partners as one of our um, investors, and they've been uh, extremely active in supporting us through through the journey as well. So that's kind of how we've navigated being a new company and all the things that we're trying to build around credibility and creating a name um, somewhat newly in the family office space. You know, historically, we were working primarily with tax exempt organizations. Um, it kind of evolved into working with insurance and banking because we learned very quickly that they had a, a K-1 problem that was very similar. And then there was kind of natural spillover into family offices. And as we um, got introduced to uh, the MyFoTech network and Phil and just that um, that network of people, I think we learned very quickly that, you know, this this problem spills over into the family office space as well. So, um, you know, as David mentioned with his tech, our, our biggest competitor is a lot of times Excel. Um, you know, there are OCR tools out in the market that can uh, try to read the ink on a page. Um, but that's only effective on page one of, of a K-1. So um, we have three products. Our primary tech is our K-1 analyzer solution, which is for K-1 recipients. Anybody receiving a K-1, whether you are pension trust, uh, you know, A or individual B, uh, you know, this tech is applicable and, and helpful in that process to eliminate uh, all things around extracting the data, getting it into a standard format, aggregating it with other K-1 data, and then ultimately getting it into your tax software. Um, so that's the, the primary value prop with K-1 Analyzer is leveraging machine learning and AI to get the data off of your K-1s in seconds, 
um, not minutes, not days. It does it in seconds and uh, getting it into a structured format, taking that unstructured data, structuring it, aggregating it, reporting it, and then ultimately being able to e-file um, through your tax return. So, you know, the, the solution is a little bit different depending on the type of taxpayer, but I think ultimately we're just trying to help people navigate these seriously condensed timelines that they have to work within. You know, if you get a K-1 in September and you have to turn around your tax return in October, there's not a lot of time to actually digest, understand, ask questions about what that information may contain and how it impacts you. So um, obviously once you get to scale and you have hundreds if not thousands of K-1s that you're collecting, this, this grows uh, to be a very serious problem. Um, we do have two other products. So I mentioned our C-Track product is actually our flagship. It's, it's our legacy product. And that was built for tax exempt organizations. Again, I mentioned, um, you know, they had, the IRS had created a new version of the form that became very activities based. It's now more PR and marketing than tax. Uh, so um, getting all of that data collected from the various groups that maybe need to be involved in that collection, um, there was a need for a collaborative software. And so that, that was how C-Track was born and became very popular among large healthcare systems, um, large uh, private foundations, uh, large higher education institutions that had these uh, giant endowments uh, where they're heavily invested in these alternatives. Um, and that was kind of the natural spillover into family offices. You know, we have lots of private foundations who are, um, who are, are doing their 990PF filing, but also have large K-1 portfolios. Um, and then we slowly grew to family offices that had a charitable arm. So where you know every individual in the family has their own foundation and they have their own charitable uh, initiatives and uh, maybe there are public charities or museums that they've also created. So um, that was kind of our, our wedge into the family office space was really through the exempt side of the house and then slowly um, getting into the other areas where uh, the individuals themselves are collecting K-1s, the corporate entities, anything like that. I, I would love to just explore that another minute, if you will. So, you know, family offices, they have a variety of investment entities. They may have a foundation or two, as you mentioned. And if you have a tax team, either internally in your family office, or you have one, you know, you've outsourced the, the compliance um, you know, you're, you're, if you're sitting inside the family office, you know, you've got, you know, hundreds of K-1s potentially, each one 20 pages long plus, and you've got to get them somehow from the, you know, each one of these portals, and then you've got to get them over to your outsourced accounting team, which may use who knows what software, you know, each one different. How are you, how is that chain kind of simplified and removed? Yeah, it, it, on the tail end of my career in, in public accounting, I was actually engaged by one of our larger institutional investors to, to do the portal work. We called it portal work. And it was simply helping them go out to hundreds of portals and gathering the K-1s. And they, they paid us a healthy amount of money to do that. And, you know, quite honestly, that's not really what CPAs are paid their hourly rate to do, but they are. They are. <laughs> I mean, this, this 
company had nobody that could do it, um, didn't have the capacity internally to, to do it. And so they engaged us as an outsourced firm to help navigate that. So, um, you know, that was probably five or six years ago. And we've since seen the emergence of, you know, what we call portal scrubbers, right? There are companies who've now been created to go out and do that on behalf of these large investors, and they can go out nightly and, and do the K-1 collection. So our angle with that is really looking to make those strategic partnerships um, where we can API a connection so that if they're the ones going out and collecting the K-1s, then there's a seamless way uh, that those K-1s then route into our technology, uh, just removing that extra click or email or whatever the case may be to move the data. Um, so we're partnering with companies who do that to kind of feed the K-1s in. And then there's also uh, some of our partnerships where we're feeding data back. So if they're kind of hosting a, a dashboard or a portal where they, you know, their clients can come in, um, that's really part, of, large part of our strategy this year is opening up the, the API capabilities, allowing uh, more free flowing of K1s in, K1s out, so that uh, people can uh, eliminate as many human touches as possible to, to move that data around. Um, David, why don't you tell us about Luminary and, you know, the product itself and, you know, maybe sort of describe it, how a family office might sort of see it, use it, what problem it's solving. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, thank you. I will. Uh, I, I'll just say, um, um, reflecting on, on uh, Danielle's comments, you know, while our businesses are obviously very different, I think the common thread is, uh, you know, first this notion of uh, digitizing what is otherwise analog information and, and sort of bypassing the Excel piece and putting it directly into software where users have the ability to uh, manipulate it and manage it in a dynamic way where they can work faster, uh, draw more uh, precise insights and, and possibly unlock capabilities that, you know, not purpose-built technology, um, you know, sort of uh, limits. Um, you know, I, I, I heard recently a, uh, a venture capitalist describe how they look for new software companies. They basically say, uh, we look for uh, high value activity uh, being managed in Excel by high priced people. And I think that's what uh, basically Danielle's company does. And, and that's sort of what Luminary does. Um, so, you know, in, in trust and estates, you know, we're dealing with a lot of non-standard information in the form of, of documents in many cases that uh, are, if you're able to even locate them, uh, you know, sometimes old and, and dated and depending on, you know, when and how they were written look uh, very different. So this um, first notion of what Luminary does is we digitize and structure that data into some uh, 22 unique forms, depending on the trust or entity type from revocable and irrevocable trust all the way through sort of complex LLC structures and anything in between. And when somebody says, hey, here's a here's an entity type that you don't support that um, we need you too. That'll be our 23rd, but we haven't heard that yet. So I think we have a pretty comprehensive uh, data platform. How the data gets into Luminary is increasingly AI powered, or I would say AI assisted. So similarly using some OCR technologies that help you um, find and locate the pieces of information that might be buried in 100 pages 
that we want to have that unlock all of the application capabilities. Um, you know, I would say that that's good. It's getting better. Uh, and, you know, is, is one way that sort of onboarding back to my first comment around the risk associated with this gets, um, you know, sort of uh, further uh, de-risked. But once you have the data, what uh, most people want to do is see it visually. And so, you know, if you're lucky, again, you might be able to have everything located in tables or sort of traditional report format. That's not how most people think, and certainly not when they want to understand how something actually works over time, not just at a moment in time. And so Luminary in our data fields pick up all of the interrelationships between uh, trusts and entities, including LLCs that own pieces of other LLCs in the sort of uh, rusted, you know, Russian nested doll format, and, and uh, allow you to see how that works in a very visually rich, interactive way where things are clickable, you hover over, you see flows in and flows out. You can move quickly into um, domains that allow you to model into the future based on time and return-based assumptions, what distributions to individuals and, and uh, charitable uh, entities uh, and taxes would look like um, that, you know, really in a, in, in a way that doesn't exist today starts to motivate people to act more proactively in their best interest. And that's really one of the big unlocks. We, you know, we talk about how Luminary can save time. It can help streamline professional services fees. And, and that's all real. And by the way, we'll more than pay for your Luminary subscription. But when you think about the things that you can unlock in terms of proactive insights and things that cause you to um, you know, really un, uh, um, uh, capture tremendous value and the, you know, the sort of value we're talking about um, for the people who uh, serve folks on this call, it's significant. I mean, that's, that's potentially game changing. And that, and that puts aside and certainly not to diminish a higher engagement level with the principals for whom you're suvering, especially when we're talking about kind of the next generation for whom wealth transfer is a very important topic and who expect to be served in a very different way than say uh, the current generation does. As I mentioned, we have a lot of modeling capabilities that can get pretty wonky and idiosyncratic in terms of, of modeling scenarios around advanced wealth transfer strategies. Once those strategies are in place, um, uh, putting them in uh, an environment uh, where tasks and activities and the value associated with them can all be managed, monitored, and reported. But what I think is most distinctive about Luminary, and, and this you know, sort of comes back to what really defines a family office experience is we've built Luminary as a collaboration platform. So our digital data records are available to be permissioned from an access perspective for any third party advisor for whom this information is relevant. And obvious folks there could be CPAs, uh, tax advisors, attorneys, because what you really need when you're talking about a data foundation is for it to be a source of truth. And it can only be that if all of the right eyes are on it and have the ability to read, write, edit, and you can track all of that, including things like remaining exclusions, um, which are also part of the, the data records that uh, we support. So it's very comprehensive in terms of uh, really anything that um, you would need to uh, manage existing planning, but more importantly, fine tune it because it's a living, breathing thing and make it something that um, 
is more effective going into the future and in doing so in this collaborative way, because let's think about what, what, what our family offices at their heart, it's, it's bringing together various areas of expertise in a unified fashion in service of a common client. Luminary's purpose built to support that for trust and estates, which again, we think is, is one of the very obvious places to build in uh, an environment of democratization, commoditization, and convergence, uh, for which, again, there, there really is no purpose-built technology outside of Excel and PowerPoint. Well, David, you mentioned a couple of different users. You know, the typical user could be someone in the family office. They could be an advisor, an attorney, somebody outside the family office, serving the family office. But um, how easy is it to use, to learn, to pass on to, you know, sort of the next person in the in that job, you know, description, let's say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I imagine it gets better over time as more and more data kind of lives in it, right? And so yeah. how do you make sure that you're sort of preserving that? Yeah, well, so I think one of the things you mentioned there is is uh, sort of this implied institutionalization of knowledge. And and that's really, I'd say probably more than anything else, what, what Luminary does really well. So in addition to, um, structuring objective data that lives in documents. There are lots of uh, places in Luminary for free text and notes and, and things that remind uh, advisors or principals uh, or collaborators um, sort of important things about a document, why it was created, uh, what it was intended to do, all easily recalled, but most importantly archived and institutionalized um, as a source of data, no matter who's in the seat. Um, getting up and running in Luminary, I would say, uh, is an hours long, not weeks, not months long activity. Um, we have folks on our team who, as I mentioned, uh, come from my background with uh, product and, and software expertise as well, but who have sat with clients, have worked directly with family offices, with wealth owners, and have been building our product from day one. Um, so there's a lot of support and expertise there. And I think we built it very much with that user in mind, because in a lot of ways, we're solving the problems that were the pain points for people who now work for Luminary. So in, in some ways coming to work is liberating for them. Um, so we, we find that for the most part, training is pretty straightforward and we're doing more of the follow-up to say, how's it going and getting feedback as opposed to fielding calls where people say, I'm stuck, help. Yeah. How about K1X, Danielle? How easy, to me that one sounds more difficult, but you tell me. <laughs> I won't sugarcoat it. You know, the, the software is very deep. It was built with the largest, most complex uh, K1s and institutional investors in mind. And so while, you know, our onboarding, it, it does, it takes an hour, you drag and drop your K1s and you start to see data, but there's so much in the way of reporting, manipulating, uh, mapping, integration that um, it just requires more study. Um, one thing that we're looking into for this coming year is developing a certification program because while any user can get up and running and have success, I think the, the deeper you can go into the tech and, and leverage and take advantage of all of the bells and whistles that are built in there, I think the 
greater value proposition that you can bring to whether it's your client or the family office that you're working in. So, um, you know, it's, it's built to be intuitive. It's, it's turnkey. Um, it is cloud-based, so there's not an installation process necessarily, but it's tax. So, uh, you know, there is a lot of nuance that just requires a little bit more time and attention. And we have um, built out our implementation team uh, that will really hold hands with our clients from day one uh, through a two, three, six-month process until they feel like they're comfortable, they're up and running. Um, we do office hours, we do uh, trainings and, and all that good stuff. So um, yeah, you know, it, it's not something where uh, on day one, you're gonna get it and know everything that comes with it. But, um, you know, that's uh, I think the nature of just the tech itself. So um, that's on the K1 side, I would say on our um, 990 solution, it, that was very much built um, with you know, almost like a TurboTax style of you know questions that lead you to other things that are required. I think uh, the nature of the filings and the workflows in there um, would allow someone who's somewhat familiar with the form to probably pick up and run and find great success along the way. Um, and that is an e-file solution. So we're IRS approved and approved with several state jurisdictions for e-filing directly in that software. So it's a little bit different, um, but you know we've uh, spent a lot of time and effort uh, building up resources to support people. Um, David, similar to kind of your experience, you know these are solutions that I used in practice that many of our others used in practice before we sold them to others. So. Um, you know, I, I enjoy being part of training calls and onboarding discussions because I get to kind of geek out on helping others find a better way to do the work that they've been doing in an otherwise um, manual process. Well, I know K1X can read all of the footnotes and all, you know, but K1 is 20 pages long. It can sort of dig in. And I imagine, you know, it's pretty customized for, for the, you know, each client kind of may have different <clears throat> different types, you know, may be seeing different things and may need to integrate it into sort of different softwares, et cetera. Um, we have a bunch of questions here too that I will that I will get to. Um, but uh, what did I want to ask you? Um, maybe you can speak to how, um, uh, how, you know, could a client kind of test run it, right? In a small, in a small dose to see if it works and see if they have kind of the um, wherewithal to sort of take it bigger, if you will. Yeah. And that's how we've seen people buying and, you know, can't blame people for wanting to dip their toe before they, they dive in. Um, we've been tinkering, I would say, with a few different opportunities to give people that flavor of wanting to touch and feel the software before they, um, before they make a full purchase. So we do what we call a K1 test drive where you can send us uh, 10, maybe 20 K1s, and we'll actually run them, process them for you live, um, virtually live. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we'll show you the results, we'll show you the reporting, um, we'll give you a flavor of what a user on your end would, would um, experience as far as, you know, processing that small data set. Um, we've also done pilots with, you know, larger organizations who are, 
um, wanting to do maybe closer to 100 or, you know, 200. Uh, and, and we almost kind of call them more of like a phase one implementation of like, yeah, let's get going with a small population with the expectation that, you know, within the next six, nine months, you're, you're more comfortable in a position to kind of go all in. So we've seen that buying pattern. Um, I'm not sure that we're in a position that we could change how buyers have been trained to, to purchase new tech. So we're not interested in uh, necessarily swaying people otherwise, but um, we have seen the, 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 the opposite end of the spectrum where somebody's gone all in and they've had great success. Um, we had one accounting firm and I get that, you know, the, the sizes are, are widely different, but we had an accounting firm join us last year. They processed 12,000 K-1s in that first year amongst their entire team. And their ramp is getting closer to 100,000 um, over the next year. So depending on the size of the org, the volume of the, the portfolio and the K-1s that are being received, um, you know, we have others that sit within the range of 50 to 100 that see a very similar uh, value prop as far as time savings and cost savings. So, um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I think you touched on this and I, I'd love to hear David's perspective as well. You know, you both have mentioned this uh, throughout the um, presentation, which is basically, you know, the return on investment. You know, if you compare what how you're doing it now to what potentially, you know, sort of this could solve for, even though, you know, there obviously there's a ramp up period, there's obviously some cost, you know, actual costs, right, to this. Um, maybe you can just describe that sort of, that RO, how to think about the ROI and the risk of doing or not doing and making a change like this. Maybe, David, I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah, um, I guess I mentioned it before, but just to, you know, recap it, it I think it, it, it falls into the category first of, um, just you know, kind of time savings, and and so different organizations will value that uh, differently, but it, it falls both internally on the time and effort that people on a team are devoting to uh, activities that we uh, that we uh, create efficiencies for, but then also some of the professional services partners who you know, are, are billing on a retainer or, or by the hour would, would charge as well. And, you know, I would say, and we haven't run, you know, specific numbers on this, but you don't have to believe too much uh, in terms of efficiencies on either or both to more than cover your luminary subscription uh, uh, just on, on that alone. Um, as I said, there's, um, return on investment, also just in, in, in opportunities that can be identified uh, proactively and, and acted on uh, more uh, efficiently and effectively that have the potential to you know, create enormous amounts of value. I mean, one of the things we were jumping up and down about this time last year was the opportunity to use GRATS for some of the uh, technology stocks that had been um, uh, really hammered in, in, in 2022. Obviously, we didn't have a crystal ball to know what would happen, but you know, again, with, that's the beauty of a grad, right? It's, it's uh, heads you win, tails you don't lose. Um, and even with a higher interest rate environment, um, you know, the difference between you know, uh, a winner or a loser with um, you know, what any of the uh, big seven or really anything in, in sort of uh, technology and life sciences returned last year 
um, had nothing to do with, with, with interest rates. And so just getting one of those things right, because you had the opportunity to model it and act on it in a real time way would, would cover uh, a generation worth of luminary subscription fees. Um, and then, as I said, the, the opportunity, you know, for a lot of um, multi-generational family offices to serve the next generation uh, how they want to be served and in a way that really cuts out the things that are most important to them shouldn't be uh, overlooked either. And I'm not sure how to put a dollar value on that, but I certainly know from uh, the uh, place I come from in the RIA space and you don't have to look at too many RIA websites to see the words family office and services prominently featured. And, and the reason for that is that's really where the heart of the next generation value proposition is in wealth management. And so your ability to do that across more of your client base with more scale efficiency in a higher impact way, I mean, look to me is the difference between being a successful business in the future and being out of business. And, you know, that's, the ultimate ROI. I so agree with that. Oftentimes tax planning beats investment planning, you know, 10 times over, but- um, Can we run the numbers on that? Just, you know, uh, for, for people on this call for whom this is <laughs> validating, you know, it, it it's no stretch whatsoever to get to a 2% annual return equivalent for really any wealthy family with multi-generational gifting and giving intent. And, you know, if you are in at least traditional asset classes delivering a 2% net of fee annual return, you are in the Hall of Fame. Um, Danielle, how about, you know, obviously tax compliance costs, administrative costs, you know, those are already kind of through the roof in general. So, you know, is that how you think about the ROI on something like a K1X that can sort of, you know, streamline the process? Yeah, definitely part of, of the analysis. And I think for a lot of family offices, there's this constant, do we insource, do we outsource? Uh, would we rather hire the FTEs or leverage uh, an outside provider? Um, and certainly pros and cons, and you may find a healthy blend of, of both uh, over time. I think the technology itself allows you to flex those options as your resources and needs change. Um, so oftentimes we talk to family offices about the, the um, interest and need to own your data. So even if you are working with an outside provider, you invite them into the software. It's, a, it's meant to be a collaborative space so that the family office is the owner of the data, but they can bring in, as David, you were mentioning, bring in the right people to the discussion, the review process. So it's not, you know, you have to export everything out and send it to them. Just invite them in, let them do their review, let them do the technical aspects of the analysis so that you can keep moving. So, um, you know, we, we kind of think about the ROI, we're seeing kind of a perfect storm uh, for this, this industry and this K-1 work where K-1s used to be exclusively held within like the higher, echelon of investors. It was large institutional investors. And, you know, in the past 15, maybe 20 years, we've seen kind of what we call the retailing of K-1. So anybody can uh, probably unknowingly enter into an investment and, and oh no, on the back end, they get a K-1 and now they have to figure out how to deal with it. 
Um, so we've seen just the volume of K1s exponentially growing, but Effie, you were kind of alluding to the fact that the size of each K1, you know, what used to be a two to three page document, you know, two, 300 pages in some instances, the introduction of the K3 over the past couple of years, like that's another 20 pages of form. So um, the timelines haven't changed though. So, you know, you still have to file on time and you still have to do all that work with more volume and more complexity uh, in, in, in the same amount of time and sometimes fewer, fewer amounts of time. So in a family office, you may have all sorts of those tax types, right? where maybe there's a partnership that feeds K1s or there's Nest Corp that's feeding K1s into the next level and the next tier. Um, so when you take advantage of our tech, you really get the benefit of, let's keep the data moving throughout the tiers to the end tax filer. And then you can worry about the tax return later, but get the, get the K1 data down to uh, Joe Investor let him file his tax return, and then you can do the partnership work. Today in the current state, it's, I'm gonna prepare my S-Corp, I'm gonna prepare the return, the K-1s, and then I'm gonna send them out. And that that's at the time now that the next person can start their work. So eliminating that step of having to deliver one tier before the next can even start their work is what we're trying to accomplish in our, our suite of solutions. I mean, the future vision of this is a digital K-1. It's not, the reading capability. We're actually looking to replace our own reading capability. We want to get to this digital exchange where anybody who's preparing a K-1 can go out to the same exchange as the people who are producing those K-1s. And obviously with all the security needs that would be in place, but go out and get that data that you need without having to monkey around with PDFs and portals and, and all the stuff that keep people from being able to, to move down the line. So um, you know, we, we, when we talk to people, we, we say now is the time because if you get on the tech now, you're well prepared for when that digital exchange becomes available and you're already kind of linked in uh, to that exchange um, ecosystem. So that's where we're headed. Um, and, and yeah, I think, you know, we can talk hours and costs all day long. I mean, the savings from just processing a K-1 goes from be 15 minutes to an hour to two to three seconds. So you, know, you can multiply that out by how many K1s you're dealing with. And that, that's an easy ROI calc, but there's a lot bigger, I think, implications of getting into the tech today versus you know waiting two to three years. I, I think if you're not looking at new tech constantly, you, you're never gonna catch up. You're just gonna be a dinosaur forever. You know, you're never gonna catch up. But I know we only have a couple minutes, so I do wanna address um, you know, security concerns around cloud-based technologies. I'm sure you get those questions. Maybe we'll start with you, David. Maybe you can address how, how Luminary answers that question. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we have the benefit of, of in the industry, uh, these uh, SOC 2 protocols that, um, you know, be, become sort of a, a card you can drop when that question comes up, um, you know, sort of like generally accepted accounting principles. <laughs> And, and um, so we're talk, uh, SOC 2 type 2 uh, compliant. Um, you know, I would further say we have been through uh, due diligence successfully with some of the uh, largest financial institutions uh, in the country, the world. And, and so uh, we both know how to address all of the questions and, and I think have all of the right 
uh, policies, procedures, protections, um, you know, in place. I could get into our um, encryption and encoding at transit and at rest. Um, uh, I'll get over my skis rather quickly there. So uh, suffice to say, it's, it's uh, the gold standard uh, at the uh, at the industry level. Um, we're we're cloud based, as uh, as Danielle mentioned, um, uh, hosted on uh, on AWS. Danielle, how about you? How do you address that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we start with the same SOC 2, Type 2. We we completed our um, first independent audit on qualified, which was a big step, big milestone um, for our company as, as part of the carve out. Um, you know, we also have uh, implemented things around the user provisioning, right? So the MFA, the multi-factor authentication. Um, we also work with a lot of organizations who want a single sign-on or SSO experience. So that can kind of help with the protective nature of getting people only through uh, your network. Um, and, you know, outside of that, one of our first hires was a, a CISO. And, you know, that person reports directly to our CEO. And I think just the, the history that we've brought, the procurement that we've had to go through for, uh, you know, 10 to 15 years with companies. I, I can't imagine that there are other questions out there that we've never answered at least once before. Um, but we, we take it very seriously. And, and um, you know, we uh, I don't think we've ever been unable to get past uh, any kind of security questionnaires or um, you know, pen tests or the other things that people may require as they're getting uh signed in. So um, I know it's a concern. It's an objection that we hear. It's um, it's a natural part, of, I think, evolving into a modern tech age. So, um, you know, we try to work as best as we can with, with uh, future prospects around, you know, how we get over the obstacles that they may be thinking through. Effie, you know, I'll just, I'll add, um, we mentioned AI, and we obviously don't have the time to get into it now, but uh, at least uh, for Luminary's part, uh, AI assistance is something that can be turned on and off uh, at the customer level. Um, and we have uh, extensive uh, AI policies and protocols there uh, as well, the uh, upshot of which is we don't train any of our models using any of our customer data. And OpenAI, uh, who we, whose uh, AI technology we use, uh, similarly does not uh, access any customer data for model training uh, as well. So it is as safe and secure in a private node as any sort of cloud-based application would otherwise be. Right. Well, we have a lot of questions here, and I know we're at the hour. So um, I guess I would encourage anyone, you know, we have a couple for Luminary, we have a couple for K1X. Uh, you know, I think we could probably go another hour with some more uh, discussion, but um, maybe I would encourage folks to do the networking. If you have more specific questions for either David or Danielle, really want to thank them for this um, hour. And I'm going to turn it over to Phil.